You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello. And today's guest I'm super excited about. Her name is Lakinia Francis. She's the founder of iCrave Vending, a small vending machine service company where she helps others create an additional source of income that doesn't require much time or money. After working in the vending machine business for some time, she recognized the lack of consultants that specialize in vending machine operations. So the iCrave Vending team created a series of online training courses geared toward helping others achieve success in vending services. And my boyfriend's curious about this. I'm curious about this. I know a ton of people who are curious about this. So I'm so, so grateful that you came on the show to talk about this. Thank you guys for having me so much. I'm so excited to share some knowledge and maybe spark some interest with you guys with this very unique side hustle that could actually turn into a full-time business if you like. So it's a very unique one. It's not one you might've heard of quite often, but I'm going to lay it all out today. <laughs> Yeah. I love also how it's very, like you said, when we had talked previously, it's like not very saturated market. People get really, really creative with it now versus old school where it was just like Doritos and like smart water. Now it's like, we're going to get into it. But I just like, was like, holy crap. Like she knows things that no one else does. So obviously you weren't doing vending machines your whole life. So like, what's your story? How did you even stumble into the world of vending machines? All right. So I am actually an educator. So I taught middle and high school. This business here actually goes hand in hand, teaching, researching, helping others. So it's like in me, it's like meant to be. So it wasn't kind of odd. I had a lot of free time, right? And so I'm wondering like, what can I do on the side that's realistic, right? And it won't break the bank. It's not gonna cost me an arm and a leg to get started. Like most businesses do, you know, you gotta, you know, use your life savings. So I kind of stumbled across vending and I started to do my research with, you know, reading, YouTubing. And one day I said, you know what, I've done as much research as I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. And so I went out there and bought a pair of vending machines and they first went in my garage for some time. As time went on, I learned a lot, you know, like a lot of things I shouldn't have done, what I should have done, you know, money's already spent. And along the way, right, I really wasn't even interested in this path. But a lot of people were like, hey, Lakinia, how did you get started with that? How'd you get and to the point where it was like, oh, my God, I'm so tired of talking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Let me get paid for it because people are seriously interested. And so I said to myself, well, you know what? Had I would have had someone to kind of steer me in the right direction, maybe things would have been a lot better. And I would have known the do's, the don'ts. I would have skipped over the trial and error. So I said, let me, you know, help other people that could have been in the same situation as me looking for an an additional source of income, or maybe they want to pick up a positive hobby or just something extra added into their life. And let me streamline it for them. Let me help them out and help them hands on, you know, to get started. And so that's how this consulting, you know, thing came about. As time goes on, I learn more and everybody is unique. Each person is unique that I deal with. And Based upon them, I'm just learning so much more and vending is so much more creative than what, you know, the average person thinks. So that's kind of how I got started. So many people bombarding me with, how do you do that? It just kind of led me into this lane where like, okay, you know, this is a thing here. This can definitely be a thing. People are always looking for an additional source of income. 
vending machines obviously are not going anywhere. If anything, they're actually progressing because the machines are so sophisticated and they're adding so many features. And it's like you can put literally anything in it. Right. Especially with this hands off time. Right. Where we want to make everything contactless. And sometimes people want to make private purchases. And, you know, the same thing you can get in the store, you can get in a machine or you can sell it in a machine if you like. So. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much how I kind of stumbled upon this, and and here I am today. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you brought up that there are so many opportunities with vending because even for me, I thought it was like oh, just like Cheez Its and like BS stuff, you know. Like, what are some of the vending machine myths that we've all known that are like complete BS? Like, I know that there are so many opportunities. When you told me the variety of machines that you knew people were doing, I was like, holy. Shit, why have I never heard about this before? This is so different and it's cool. And also, like you said, it's not a lot of money to start with. It's a very easy thing to do. No, it's not. It's not. It's realistic for the average working person or the person that's trying to convert from working to entrepreneurship. It's realistic. You know, it's not like, oh, I have to go to the bank and ask for this huge loan, you know, with some saving and some discipline and sacrifice, you can get started even if you start small and scale it up, you know. But anyways, like some of the things that people think about vending, right? A lot of people think that you have to be some huge company in order to purchase a vending machine and place it. When in actuality, you don't. And that's what I learned through the research because I always thought, you know, when you go to public places and you see vending machines, you're thinking like, hey, this must be, you never even thought about can an average person place that? You never thought about who places it. You just know that it's there. The biggest you know, myth is that, hey, only you know, huge companies can actually own a vending machine. When in reality, the average Joe can, even a kid, you know, anybody. But yeah, there's a ton of vending opportunities that you can get started with. The list is long. I don't know if you want me to kind of spell it out now or if we're going to- Give all the deets. Okay, (laughs) what are the, like, tell people what you told me about all the different types of vending machines you've seen that are like people can do. All right. So to make it even more realistic, I'll just kind of refer to some folks that I've helped in the past. Snacks and drinks, of course. Of course, you got your candy. One, I'm working with someone right now. She's going to do a laundry vending machine. So she's going to be selling laundry products inside the vending machine. So cool. Think about it. Like like travel size, like travel, like yeah. detergent, like dryer mm-hmm. sheets, like stuff like that. And, and you know, let me tell you, right? So recently my washer and dryer went out. I didn't have the time to get another one. So at the time, you know, in between, we actually went to the laundromat and I have never been to a laundromat. I know that sounds crazy, but I just never had to have to. I've always had one in the house. And there's like people, that's what they do. They go there. That's how they do the laundry. And most people do come prepared with their supplies. But what if you run out? Oh my God. I So I used to live in Manhattan and I always had to schlep my laundry to the laundromat because it was rare if you had a unit. But I remember there were times where I'd go and I'm like, holy crap, I forgot the detergent at home. And it's like six blocks away. And I'm like, fuck. And I'm like sprinting back or like trying to find a CVS that's open or like even getting change or like whatever yeah. it is. And so think about it if you had a machine that was there or even if you have your supplies, but you did the math and you're like, it's worth it. You know, even if you're like a single person or if you don't have a big household, it's just worth to buy it out of the machine rather than to go in the store and, you know, purchase it that way, depending on your wash load. You know, having that is pretty convenient in the places that you can put it. You kind of just pointed out a really good potential location. Find an apartment complex 
were condos where most of the people used the washer and dryer unit service rather than having a unit in their house. That would be a perfect place to put it because they have to wash the clothes, right? Another spot would be a lot of people are always saying dorms, dorms, dorms. Now, getting on college campuses is possible. It's a little bit more time consuming. But so an alternative would be what if you looked at the off campus living, you know, student living? I'm just thinking about when I was in college and I had to wash, you know, and drive my stuff. What about the kids that don't have a car and they rely on, you know, a friend or something? Just having that there as a convenience. That's another great potential location. But laundry is just one. So moving on to another, another one that's really, really popular right now and very lucrative is beauty vending. That's probably what I help people with the most, surprisingly. (laughs) And it's so crazy because I'm not even into that stuff, but it's a market. We know that the beauty industry is like a billion dollar industry. And one thing I learned during the pandemic, it doesn't matter what we're going through, right? People are always going to pay to look good and feel good. Right. So there's a market there and it's like it's not going to go away. You know, men are going to go and groom themselves. Women are going to go to the salon. They're going to get their nails done. These are just things that they're going to do, period. Right. What if you're selling some items that are popular in the machine and put it in a place like a mall or hotel or whatever? So that's a big one. Beauty vending. Another one that is more recent, but it's appropriate. It's like the convenience vending. So when you think about going to like Walgreens or CBS, right? You can find everything there. Snacks, toiletries, sunscreen, <laughs> all kind of random stuff. You can have a convenience machine where you have health and wellness, you know, over-the-counter medicine, you have your makeup, you have everything all into one. It's another one. One that is popular, I guess, in some states is CBD. So I'm actually helping out a young lady right now. And this is pretty interesting. Her machine is It's nice. It's more on the expensive side, but it's a different type of investment when you think about CBD. Like her machine has the ID age verification on it. So in order for a user to, you know, purchase something, they have their ID there and and be verified. Wow. I didn't even know vending machine. That's so complex. I mean, I thought it was complex that you could do like a credit card or debit card, right? Because back then it was like shove a dollar in and get a Coca-Cola, but like an ID verification is like next level shit. That's like, no, you know, that's crazy. Imagine alcohol. I mean, that's a little, that's a little much, but like mini yeah, bottles little, with. And yeah, that's on another level and probably, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you slightly the, illegal, but I mean, just yeah. like the idea that you can do something that's so different, like it's just wild. Well, actually, you know what I think? If you did alcohol, you might can get away with it if it was in a club or a bar or somewhere where you have to be 21 and older. It might be appropriate and fitting. That's another one. But yeah, the CBD is one that's, they're popping up everywhere. And imagine if you, that's a little bit more personal. I know some people don't want everybody in their business and they may want to shop private. They have the machine, you know, it's a one-on-one transaction. So that's another good one. Toiletries is another good one. Pet supplies. That would be so cool. Like if you go to a dog park and you just like have the poop bags or the treats or the water bottle there, like so smart. Yeah. And what I learned, right. I never really had much interest in a pet, but I got, I got my French bulldog during the pandemic. And then that's when I kind of realized that I love my dog and, you know, my dog is, that's my daughter, you know? (laughs) So it's like, I'll do anything for my dog. And I know there's a community of people that feel the same way. And so imagine if you had a pet supply machine the dog park or an animal hospital, just about anywhere that it's pet friendly, you know, that will probably do pretty good as well. 
man, you can do car wash supplies. Dude, everything. I literally had no idea. Like it just, it seems like it's so, like it makes sense, right? It's common sense. Like you can literally do anything, but because we've been conditioned to think vending machines are these old clunky things that have shitty food in it. Like you would never think to have something different. Like it's very new. And you can even make the machines attractive and get them customized. So one thing I like, right? Let's say you already own a business and you just want to, you can do a couple of things with it, right? Let's say I'm a realtor and I want to advertise my real estate business, my services. You can wrap the machine with the same thing that you would use on a flyer, your picture, your your everything, and have that place. That's like through marketing, you know, it has nothing to do with the machine, but you're wrapping the machine and the machine belongs to you. So it's marketing and you're earning money at the same time. Um, so that's one cool idea that you can do. But let's say you're already a brand. You know, a lot of people have e-commerce stores and they sell stuff online. And I talk to a lot of people where they're like, listen, you know, online marketing is hard. It's not easy. So I kind of want to get rid of some of this product and kind of find another source to channel this through. I get with a lot of people that are already selling things online. And they, you know, kind of converted into a machine as well. One lady, this by far is the most interesting one. She has a candle store. She's been, her and her husband have a candle business. They've been doing it for over 20 years. They're actually a manufacturer. And they make candles that look like food and smell like it. What? That's so weird. I mean, I love it, but that would fuck me up. I'd be like, where are the French fries at? Like, I need to eat this. Right. But anyways, they already have a clientele. They already have people that love their stuff and and they want to put it in a machine and put it in a local grocery store because a local grocery store support local businesses. So I'm working with them on that. And when I tell you, you can turn what you have already going on and you can branch off into vending machines with literally just about anything. Even if you think you can't, I could find something for you. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty interesting. So many things you can do. So is it like really expensive to purchase a vending machine? Cause right. We got over the myth of like any person can purchase one, but like now I'm like, okay, like I'm a young student. I don't have 300 grand to spend on a machine. Like, like, and okay. If I want to buy an older unit, then what? Okay. So let's say the machine prices do vary, right? They vary based upon if you're going to buy it new or if you're going to buy it used. So let's say you're buying something used quality from a distributor. You would want a credit card reader on it, right? So you may pay, you know, between $1,500 to $2,000 for a used machine with a credit card reader. And brand new out the park, I have a vendor that we, you know, also help with people with financing too. So that's a cool one. A little under $4,000 for a brand new one. That's not even that expensive. I mean, maybe for some people, but it's like a very small investment up front when you compare people who like start a brand new clothing line or like do the brick and mortar store for a candle business. Like it's so yeah, inexpensive. Rent and all of that good stuff. So, you know, what I love about vending, right? The day you put it down, it's turnkey. It start making money, right? It start making money once it's placed out wherever and you start really literally seeing, you know, the return on your investment immediately. And in comparison to other businesses, which is why I chose this route, because I told you I was looking for something that was realistic. You know, I can realistically save three grand versus, you know, starting a brick and mortar store where I need 20 grand because I need to pay, you know, for the rent and the product, the merchandise. And, you know, it was realistic. But when you think about the numbers, it's something that, you know, anybody really could do uh, with a little saving. Like, okay, so let's say you purchase the machine, right? And you put the product in like, 
What's the hardest part about the whole thing? Because, right, you have to purchase it, but then there's like, you have to determine the location and then you actually have to purchase the items, which to me, I'm like, that's a lot of money. Maybe it's not prove me wrong, but like, and then there's maintenance, right? You probably have to fix it from time to time. So like, what's the hardest part about it? So the hardest part about this business, and I like to be transparent and upfront all the time, is the location, acquiring a location, working that part out. But once you get the location, it's like, oh, man. I want another machine and another and another because now it's easy. Now it's just a matter of maintaining it and maintaining it could look like, you know, once a week I go and fill it up. So it's not 100% passive, but it is semi-passive because let's say you have a drink in a snack machine at a location. Once it's there, you know, the hard part is done. We've acquired the location, we've purchased the machine. Now that it's on location, you're probably going to spend about, let's say you're doing a weekly uh, service it you may spend up to an hour. That's it. That's still nothing though. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. To load it up, you're in and out. And guess what? The machine is working while you're asleep. The machine is working. If you're still working a job, your machine is working. (laughs) If you're indulging in other business activity, your machine is still working. And guess what? People are always going to eat and drink, even if that's at the least that you want to do. But like I said, acquiring a location is typically the harder part. But, you know, it's something else that I kind of walk people through as well finding a location. I even help with finding a repair person based upon their area. What all those good things, see, these are tools and things that that I didn't know about up front. You know, I learned about them during the process, you know, making, you know, trial and error. But having your machine maintained, it depends. So if you buy it refurbished from quality distributor at first, because I've learned quality is sometimes better than trying to find the cheapest machine, you know, find something that it's coming from a company, had a little warranty on it, or even if you choose to get it new, then you don't have to worry about it because then you'll have warranty on it. And a lot of people go in that direction because they're like, man, I would rather not the headache, you know, when I can just call up the distributor and they'll find someone in my area to come out and fix it for free because it's on the warranty or to look at it. But maintaining a vending machine is not as difficult because truthfully, the machine is just a big box, right? It's just a big box. That's all it is. And there are some things that are common, you know, like your bill validator where you put your money in, you know, people put nasty coins and dollar bills. So you have like a little routine maintenance, like maybe once a month, you want to kind of maintain that. But other than that, you know, as long as you keep it up, do some test bins after you load it up, you should be fine. That's not difficult finding someone to fix it. It's not difficult. I'm not sure what if I answer. <laughs> Just like, well, I guess what the hardest part is, because when I first spoke to you, I was like, oh my God, I'm not great when it comes to like anything pertaining to tools or like construction or like anything like that. And like, I'm tech savvy on a computer, but if you were to give me a machine, like I probably would be like, what the fuck? The fact that you know that repairmen who can help if things were a little complex is like a relief for someone starting because that was probably the biggest red flag for me was like, I don't know what I would be doing if there was a problem. And you don't want to break it too because you just spent all this money. So, you know, it'd be like, oh, hey, Gabby, the machine is not (laughs) dropping the soda. It's taking my money. You want to be able to call someone and not panic. Like I already have someone on dial. I have my mechanic guy. And that's something that when I'm going through this process, I talk to people about and help them with, you know, we want to be proactive. Let me, through all the mistakes I know that can happen, let me kind of help you prevent those. Um, So yeah, that is kind of tiring, but you know what? That's why there's a repairman because we call them and have them fix on it (laughs) when needed, you know, but it's good to have them in your Rolodex. I, you know, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not, I can't teach anyone how to fix a machine. That's not my area. 
but I'll help you find someone to fix it for you. <laughs> That's great though. Yeah. Just having someone on hand is always yeah. good. Oh yeah, absolutely. No different than, you know, if you buy a used car, I want to have my mechanic. You're probably not going to get out there and, you know, get under there and change the oil and, oh, you hell know, no. the brakes. That would be really cute to witness. It would be fucking hilarious to watch me try to do that. But. So when you think about it, it's the same concept. You're just going to have your mechanic on hand. It's the same thing. Yep. So like other than the mechanics behind it, the second thing that I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I can do this thing was like the location, right? You have to choose a place that has great foot traffic that's relevant for the actual items you're selling in the machine. But like, how do you even get a company or a veterinarian's office or any of these places to like say, yes, you can have the machine on site? Like, do you pay? Like, do they get a percentage of the revenue? Are you printing like rent on their space essentially? Or is it just like a favor? First acquiring a location. For some people, it's easy. Some people like talking, they like sales, they like communicating. Some people are like, ah, I don't like it. But it's really about getting in contact with the right person and letting them see the benefit of having this machine in their establishment. So that's really what it is. It's really not any more to it. We're not creating some secret formula. It's about, hey, I have this machine. This will go great in here. It'll benefit you know, because of X, Y, and Z. And they see the the value of it. And if it's for them, it's for them. And leading into the next thought, which is one that a lot of people ask, do I have to pay rent? So like if you're going in a mall, yes, you would have to pay rent because the mall is real estate, right? They get paid off of the lease. They get paid off of the space and they want to rent to you. So yeah, in a mall, but like a traditional business, a private owned business, it really just depends on how you pitch it to them, right? If you're pitching it to them as a benefit, you know, some people, they don't pay commission, you know, they don't pay percentage. And then some people do, you know, I've worked with some people like one lady, her machine, man, I always use her. Her machine is doing great. It's at a private school and she does pay, I believe 19%, but the amount of money that she's making in the machine, who cares, you know, because the kids, they always got, they got money for snacks and drinks. And so, you know, they're always wiping her machine out. So who cares that you have to pay a percentage? You know, some locations will expect the percentage and some won't even ask. And for those that don't ask, don't offer, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, that's how it goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's how that goes. But typically there isn't a rent, um, but if you do do profit sharing, you know, it's usually on a percentage basis that you just kind of negotiate with them. Yeah. That's not bad though. I mean, I feel like if they're giving you space for free, it's kind of nice that they take care of you, you take care of them. And also, right, if they have connections and it's similar because then you have access to other locations and other spaces for different things. But cross that bridge when you get there. But I think exactly the people who are listening are aware of like full transparency of every single thing that encompasses vending machines. And you do like location proposals, right? Or like help people get started essentially? Yeah, yeah. I have a few to do <laughs> right now. I have proposals that I kind of created. And um, again, this is from people asking me, you know, hey, do you have proposals? And I was like, you know what? Hmm, let me write up something. That's my area of writing, you know? That's what I went to school for, technical writing. So I, I kind of created pretty much a proposal for any type of vending you want to do. Kind of coach you through how to you know, submit it, whether it be electronically, in person. But yeah, I have them prepared. I prepare them. So I'll kind of edit them for people and just their information. I do everything for them, just hand it off to them. But yeah, I have those. And those are really good, right? Because imagine, right, you know, person A walked up into a barbershop and say, hey, I want to put a machine in here and 
he or she can't make a decision right away. And you're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll check back in and you walk out. Person B comes in, hey, I want to put a machine in here. And they're like, oh, I got to think about it. Okay, well, here's this proposal and I'll follow back up with you. So now you're leaving them with some things just professional. It sticks with them. If they're really needing to talk to another business partner, at least they have something to bring to the table. So the proposals work and they kind of make you stand out versus just walking in there saying, hey, I want to put a machine in here. So those really help. I love that. It takes the guesswork out of things, right? Because you're the expert. You've done it for so many people. Why would I try to Google search something when I can just go to you? Like, let's just do it all. Because essentially, if like it's so inexpensive that you can literally get started in a week. It's not one of those things where you like make an investment and then seven years later, you're lucky if it budges. Like, you know what I mean? You literally can get started right away. And I've created the streamline to where we have a conversation. I tell you what you need to do and you follow it. And you're on your way, literally. So cool. I mean, or you can go and Google it. But the thing with Google and YouTube, not knocking it because I used it, it doesn't give full transparency. Oh, no. Rabbit hole. You will spend hours, hours trying to figure out something so simple. Yeah. And then not only that, what about experience? What about what real people are facing? And that's one thing that I like to be very in tune with people that I helped in the past. And I like to hear all the bad things, not just the good, so that I can share it with the next person to make their experience just a little bit better. And Google and YouTube can get you started as far as if you're interested in that, but I wouldn't solely rely on it. (laughs) Yeah. I've learned from experience. Like you said, it's great to like dip your foot in the pond, but it always turns out better if you just hire experts because it takes the guesswork out. They do it correctly. You know what you're doing. There's no, it may be a higher upfront cost, but you would have spent probably three times as much if you try to do it on your own. And your time. Oh, hours. I've wasted so many hours trying to do web design and other stupid things that just are my weaknesses. And let's just got to embrace that that's your weakness or you don't know, have that knowledge. You know what I mean? So pay somebody to do it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've just talked about all the business stuff pertaining to vending machines, but it's so cool. You have another company that you've launched, the coffee company. Can you get into that a little bit? I can. So now that I'm on this journey, I said, okay, I I really want to, I want a physical product and something I've been thinking about. And I said, what I've learned is doing things meaningful. You'll be a lot more successful than just trying to do it just because the guru or somebody said, this makes a lot of money. So I was like, okay, something I'm passionate about. I love my coffee, Um, into coffee. And so I was like, okay, let's start a coffee company. But the meaning behind it, it's so it's Phyllis Coffee. Phyllis Coffee Company, but it's in honor of my grandmother. And it's my way of remembering her because she passed away. Actually, it's been two years, just a couple of days ago. And that was my way of kind of remembering her, keeping her actively around and just remembering her and and incorporating it with something that I truly you know, care about. So, yeah, I got that going. And that's the backstory you know, behind it. And I'm actually doing something that I just thought of, right? I said, hey, you know what? There's some people I've learned that they may not need to work with me for an extended amount of time. They just may need a consultation, just a one-time talk, and they're good to go. So I actually came up with this thing that I'll run it for about maybe a month or so. I'm going to do free consultations to anybody that purchased two bags of coffee. That's awesome. You purchase the coffee, just send me an email, wow. I'll verify it. And I'll give you a free call and I'll treat it like a like a paid consultation. I was like, hey, you know, it's an exchange. I'll give you some free info and, and you know, 
Got your caffeine and your confidence all bundled <laughs> up in one. Your consultation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool, I love right? it. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome yeah. though, that you're able to honor her in that way because like how we had spoken previously, I think it's American way to wallow in the people who've who've passed on or kind of be upset that they left instead of honoring and celebrating all the amazing things that they did to contribute to this life. And so you showcasing your grandmother in a way that is your passion of coffee, I think just like, it just shows, you know, and I'm sure the coffee is delicious because you care and it's not just like- It is. Yeah. It's just not another business thing to make money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's it's a little personal for me. And and honestly, like my grandmother, of course, there was a lot of things she introduced to me and coffee was one of them. You know, it was her thing and, you know, I kind of got into it from her. So that's why I was like, what can I tie in, you know, that's realistic, not just like, oh, let me do something. And so that's when I came up with the coffee company, kind of, you know, created the packaging of a stencil image of her. My slogan is Granny's Good Old Coffee. Oh, so, <laughs> that's so cute. So, yeah. So, um, and the coffee's great though. I've been drinking it all day. I had to stop. I was like, okay, now that's enough. Cause you, know, Jitters. you, go to bed to, you get yeah, to bed tweaking and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's good coffee though. And yeah, so that's my next little thing that I got going on. Was it hard to do coffee? Cause I can imagine a, it's super competitive, but also like, right. Do you have to like actually source like the location and do all those things? Or is it like not as complex as you would think? Well, with the route that I took, I'm kind of doing an e-commerce, but I'm thinking about going to some farmer's markets and stuff like that to sell it. I'm kind of sorting that out now because it's brand new, literally like not even a month old, but it wasn't difficult. It is kind of a competitive space online, at least, which is why I'm probably going to venture out to like farmer's markets and stuff here locally down in Miami where I'm from, but it wasn't difficult at all. It was just more so about finding the time because this was something that I started about a year ago and I've been so busy with I Crave Vending. And I was like, you know what? Coming up on my grandmother's two-year anniversary and I want to have this done. That's just what I want to do. And I did it. Yeah, it really wasn't difficult. Honestly, it really wasn't. Just a little research, but I've learned so much about you know getting started. I guess my experience, again, experience, it kind of helped me know the go-to with this, you know, how to you know, maneuvering the right resources to get there. But yeah, it wasn't difficult. That's good to know. Obviously you have a lot of experience to, yeah, experience, knowledge, like good stories, like all these different things to share with people just because you've done it. Like, you know, it's one thing to learn from someone who's full of shit. And there's another thing to learn from someone who like actually did the thing. And they're totally different things too, which is really cool. So you have like, I mean, it's digital, right? Because you're teaching courses and proposals and there's that whole thing. But then there's like the physical vending machine. But now there's an actual product that you have to create from scratch versus purchasing a wholesale product to put in a machine. It's like, they're all completely different landscapes and, and target demographics. And it's just, it's such a complex thing. Yeah, it is. And so with the coffee, I'll be honest, that's one that I have to learn and, you know, kind of find my place. And especially with the consulting, like, you know, I have to learn, you know, marketing. and That's a whole nother world right there. But even with that, right, I've learned some other things that I'm going to be indulging in in the future, monetizing knowledge, helping people with that. So maybe that's something we can come and circle back around with the people that are listening. I bet everyone has a passion or something they're very knowledgeable about that somebody else might want to know. So I have some ways that be able to help you in the future to kind of monetize from that. So, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. So I 
like to wrap up each of my episodes by asking one guest a final question. So if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Honestly, advice to my younger self. I don't regret anything I've done. But one thing I, I'm starting to realize now, well, not just now, but over the years, the last few years, five years of my life, of my serious adult life, something that is really, really important that a lot of college students and teenagers might not be really educated on up front is about credit. So if I had to go back and tell my younger self, I would say, hey, look, Kenya, you know, kind of value credit because it really goes a long way, you know, especially when you want to get out there and indulge in entrepreneurship. Some people that I speak with, they did the right thing. And a lot of them don't even have to buy machines with upfront cash. They can use their credit. In that sense, I'm like, wow, you know, your credit can take you a long way. If I had to, you know, tell my younger self, that's what I would do. That's awesome. Yeah, that's such, I mean, it's... it's. And they don't teach you that in school, so... No, I mean, listen, if they don't teach anything useful in school. I mean, as a previous educator too, the, some of the things that I would teach my students, I'm like, what the... F- okay, like, I get it. We have to learn certain things, right? Some really staple things, but like, I don't need to know the Pythagorean theory. Like, teach me how to manage taxes. Like, what the fuck? You know right, what I mean? So, right, right. But credit is a great thing. I think they should teach about entrepreneurship too, just the basics, you know, because some people are entrepreneurs. Not everybody wants to go to college and be a this and a that, you know. But yeah, credit is one that I really would, um, if I talk to someone now, you know, I'll trickle back and say, hey, man, don't mess up. Keep your credit right. And treat that with care because you'll be able to utilize that and really leverage it in the future, especially if you're interested in entrepreneurship. You can do a lot of things with your credit and indulge in different investments. So that's really where I'm standing now. That is actually a really important one. Do well with the credit, Lakinya, you know? Yeah. Oh, so. credit card in a dream, as people say. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. It's a real thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. Well, this has been awesome. So can you let everyone know where they can find you, where they can connect with you if they want to get a location proposal or take you up on the whole coffee sure. consulting, you know, thing? <laughs> yeah. So of course I'm on social. My social platform where I'm always hanging out is Instagram. And so it's gonna be at I Crave Vending. So I K R A V E Vending. And my website is iCraveVending.com. But if you follow me on Instagram, then it'll lead you to everything else. I don't want to spill out a million <laughs> handles, but I crave vending on Instagram will really lead you to everything, whether you want a proposal, whether you just want to hop in my inbox and ask me a question, I'll I'll write you back. If you just want to say, hey, <laughs> anything, you know, if you just want to follow me for daily tips to see if this is something you want to further get into. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. I, I'm personally excited for maybe possibly my own vending journey, but I think a lot of people are going to find some excitement and something so lucrative, different, and something that doesn't cost a lot of money or time. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on. No problem. Thank you guys for listening. And I hope that you guys found some value in this. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the 9 to 5, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at SheLikesToGab. 